It'll pass. Allow it to pass. Let it pass. Get a little bit firm with yourself when the time is right to do so. You live in a perfect world where there are no mistakes. Everyone is loved, guided, and welcomed home. Jumbo fellow adventurer, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you of how powerful you are and how much you deserve by sharing spiritual tune-ups. These are live broadcasts Monday through Friday, each lasting 5 to 15 minutes, where I answer viewers' questions, bringing lofty metaphysical concepts down to earth for your immediate traction. You were born to succeed. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. Your positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Thoughts become things and Jumbo fellow adventurers. Hope you all had a great weekend. Please don't mind the flesh wound. I was swimming with our dog in the pool for the first time ever and it was a little uh, crazy, but a super weekend was had by all. Today's question was echoed by many. It's something I've talked on before. If you wanna dive even deeper, be sure to check out the earlier 250 spiritual tune-ups. Uh, the question today pertains to death and dying, the fear thereof. Please, Mike, talk about the fear of dying or somebody else dying. So the fear of yourself dying, dying, the fear of other people dying. Can you talk about how to get past missing people you, and loved ones? Um, sure. The, the premise here, the issue here is that we have a civilization that is very naive and very primitive with regard to our spiritual awareness. We typically think that the absolute worst thing that could happen to anybody is to die. Without regard to so many deeper truths that are always at play, it is not the worst thing. It is, not, it is just one more step in the adventure of reality. And when one door closes, another one opens. There's marching bands, friends, homecoming parties. I've got 10 thoughts for you here that will not take long to go through. 10 absolute truths that we neglect when we feel fear about death, dying for ourselves, other ones, when we miss somebody. Number one, no one dies. Okay, no one no one dies. This whole notion of what happens is totally, completely wrong, which will be clarified by the other points. Number two, time is an illusion. It is not reality. Einstein showed this. This is proven, established science. It's different from one person to the next. It gives us a stage to play out our lives upon. Okay. Time's an illusion, space is an illusion, matter is an illusion. That means these are all propped up by a greater, deeper reality. A reality from which we emerged. A reality to which we return. These illusions just are fleeting so that we can have the experience of love, joy, and all of the human emotions. Number three, there is no hell. There is no devil. And therefore, 
there is no judgment. All of these have been talking points in earlier spiritual tune-ups. Devil and Nahal was very recently, just look through the archives. But the whole idea that, that God is angry and that we're here to be tested, judged, and sentenced, if you believe that, death would be the scariest thing on earth because we've all sinned according to what sin is supposed to mean, a demerit system leading to damnation. We're all here to fall in love, to be loved. And we started at the bottom of the mountain, not the top of the mountain. So we're always going to be learning. And it's okay that you didn't get it right. It's okay that you made mistakes. That's what this whole journey is about. Uh, zero judgment, nothing to be afraid of. Everyone is celebrated. Number four, time and space is the dream. We return to a place much closer to home. This is just like your nighttime dreams. It's a place for scratch paper. It's a workshop at night in your sleep. Time, space, here and now is a greater workshop for a more important place, if you will. Not to diminish from the magnificence of time and space. Number five, you can still communicate with those who have passed on. Either yourself, just contemplative thought, maybe a, a, a journaling exercise, um, just pretend that they're there, ask them a question, hear their answer with your heart, and or connect with a medium. There are a lot of phenomenal mediums. When my mother passed away, I reached out to Tracy Farquhar. You can Google her, Tracy Farquhar. Amazing. It was like literally I was sitting down having a conversation with my mother. So go there if you need it and practice your own muscle of inner connection. Number six, we will all be together again. And once there was love, there will always be love. That bond is unbreakable. We are inseparable. In fact, it's not like you got to wait to the end of your life to be with them. They're there now, although invisible. You can meet them in your dreams. You can. Uh, we're doing a lucid dreaming course. Click below. Uh, there are lucid dreamers who meet uh, dearly departed loved ones in their dream. Um, but whether or not you realize there's a connection today, there is a connection today. You're a multidimensional being. You're with them all the time and in altered states and in the nighttime dream, whether or not you remember it, there is this connection and camaraderie, laughter and play and games. It's so supremely well. I'm getting to the biggest one in just a moment. Um, number seven, there's no accidents. One of the most tragic things about losing somebody or the fear of your own death is that it could happen prematurely or that it wasn't supposed to happen. If you believe in accidents, you don't understand the degree to which we all create and shape our own realities. And if somebody dies, that doesn't mean they made a mistake. That doesn't mean it was an accident. Remember, it's not the worst thing that can happen. There is no bad thing that can happen. Everything that happens in time and space adds to who you are. So don't be of that mindset that uh, that there was, and this is the next point, point eight, lost opportunity. This is the big one. This is what hurts the most. The sense and the feeling that when somebody you love dies, particularly of a young age, saying, oh, what could have been that will now never be. Lies, not true. We live forever. They'll come back. You'll come back together. It's all good. Let me ask you, if you were debating between your dream vacation in Hawaii 
or your dream vacation in Tahiti, and you decided to do your dream vacation in Tahiti, would this be cause for disappointment, devastation, and a sense of lost opportunity because you're not going to Hawaii? Well, look at your loved one's passing, no matter their age, as divinely ordained, no matter the circumstances that snatch them, and realize that they are somewhere far more magnificent, far more exciting, totally bathed in love, which is one of the points as well coming up. And not to paint here and now in an unpleasant light, this place is totally amazing. This place is bathed in love. This place is as good as it gets. It's like everything is awesome everywhere. And when one door closes, another door to more awesomeness uh, flies open. There's no such thing as a lost opportunity. Do not torture yourself. They are well. You'll be with them in a heartbeat. You're already with them. Get it on because you now get to continue your term in this bastion of perfection in the cosmos. Number nine, we are never alone, either here or there. I think it's kind of scary. You close your eyes and you think, boy, this must be what dead looks like. You know, dark and scary and lonely or the vastness of outer space. No. Picture this. Lights, hula hoops, rainbows, unicorns, angels, choirs, marching bands, rock bands, punk bands. It's all there in technicolor glory. It's awesome. Nothing like dark void of space or when you close your eyes. There are people and guides and love and angels here and there. And number 10, remember there's only love. I forecasted this one a few points ago. They have returned to love. Where were they here? In love. There's only love. We live in a brilliant, intelligent universe, the glue of which is love. A divine love, not a judgmental love, not a temperamental love. We are bathed in love now and will know this sooner rather than later when we focus on the glories that are here and not miss someone who was here now in the glories of somewhere else. They're on the other side going, come on, I'm rooting for you. You've got a bleachers. You've got a, a stadium of fans. You've got your own TV show over here. Go, go, go. You still have time. You're going to make the most amazing comeback, blah, 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 blah. And then when you go to the other side, you will see the love, not only there, but that was here all along. Don't wait. See it now. It's understandable that you grieve when you lose somebody. It'll pass. Allow it to pass. Let it pass. Get a little bit firm with yourself when the time is right to do so. You live in a perfect world where there are no mistakes. Everyone is loved guided and welcomed home. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, welcome to uh, Happy Tuesday. Uh, time for another spiritual tune-up. We're going to keep with the topic of death and dying. It always raises so many questions. I have gone deep on many of these topics about a year ago, so please check out the archives either in Instagram Facebook or YouTube where you can see all of the almost 300 earlier spiritual tune-ups. Go back and visit death, dying, hell, the devil, reincarnation uh, to supplement or complement what I share here with you today. And by the way, I still have proof on my face that I was swimming with my dog 
just a few days ago on the weekend. First time we brought her into the pool and it was a free for all. Uh, fun was had by all until that. <laughs> okay, so several of you have talked and commented in yesterday's post about the true need, necessity, uh, and healing power of grief. And I could not possibly agree more. Uh, it is deserved. It has been earned. It is born of deep, deep love. So peace and love, nothing I said was meant to diminish the value and the importance of grief. But I would like to reiterate the point I was trying to make yesterday is that grief can be mitigated profoundly, even eradicated with truth. There is a truth in all things. It is blinding. It is pure love. It is that you and your loved ones are eternal, that we are multidimensional, that they didn't leave, that they're still with you right now, that you can communicate with them, that nothing's been lost, no opportunities, no connections, no nothing. When we can move our conscious minds into a realm of truth, it is easy street forevermore. Love, joy, spontaneous manifestations, no more sadness. It is possible. It is a lofty goal. It is practically out of reach, but it's not out of reach, which means it's so reachable. So please go there with grief as you need and give yourself that much deserved respite for all the love that has poured through your heart. Oh my gosh. Um, but also simultaneously as we deal with our lions, tigers, and bears and follow our dreams and understand our disappointments, always let there be a parallel track of truth seeking. It is benign. It is friendly. It is part of your DNA, spiritually speaking. It is your birthright, your inheritance. It is the Holy Grail. That's the metaphor for the Holy Grail, the truth. It'll set you free. The truth that we are one with the divine, that we are eternal, that we're doing our best, pushed on to greatness every day, that your thoughts become things, and that there's always another chance, another opportunity for romance or whatever your heart desires. All right. With that said, another question that was very common or that showed up a couple of times in a couple of forums was, am I talking, is Mike Dooley talking about the survival of our soul? In which case, the questioner was like, hands down, I totally get that. But that's not where pain comes from. Our pain and grief comes from the mistaken understanding that perhaps the personality is gone forever. Very common thinking, even by folks enlightened, is that the personality, ultimately, whether this lifetime or after a series of lifetimes, dissolves back into God. That is an excruciating, total misunderstanding to the point of fallacy, fiction, and fraud. No such blending back into God ever happens. Where do I tell, where do I tell you? Sorry to sound uh, um, like I'm talking down or talking at or ta ta disciplining somebody. 
where does our dance with life take place? Inside the heart of God. So your entire life, you have this distinct personality and you're already inside of God. It's not like we, we veer outside of God and now plop, we have this unique personality and we go in and out of the jungles, in and out of reincarnations. And then one day we go back into God. Okay. That, that might work for some as a, a crutch to teach a beginner about reality. But the fact is, we never went outside of God. We're still inside of God. So when we, so there is no going back because we never left. And if you can maintain your personality now inside of God, when this incarnation stops, it's not like you have anywhere to go. So it, it, the, the news is phenomenal. Your loved ones will possess their personality forever. It exists in an eternal now. Remember Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca? We'll always have Paris. Oh, what a movie. We'll always have Paris because the memory of it alone means it's real. And I'm not just trying to get um, psychological or split hairs. And, and I'm not just talking about, well, It'll exist always in your memory so that it's real. No, it, it not only exists in your memory, but Paris is still happening right now. If you've ever been there, that moment is still unfolding in an internal now. And you can revisit it when you realize you're multidimensional and you can explore it and expand it and stay and make new decisions. Such is the nature of this unbelievable adventure that we are now in. But, but more pertinent is that when a loved one passes, their personality is totally retained. And while they may one day decide to stop playing, stop incarnating on a timeline, that could be inferred as the end of the personality. But that would be such a bogus misrepresentation of reality. It's fraud anyway. Because what is time? but a make-believe illusion. So somebody stops playing on a timeline because they've been every Tom, Dick, and Harry, Mabel, Marge, and Susie that they could think of. That doesn't mean that those personalities ended. They're eternal. And anytime, but now we're back on a timeline, which is totally bogus, anytime now or a trillion years from now, somebody said, I'd like to go be Mike Dooley again. Boom, done, you're there. Because Mike Dooley never dissolved back into God in the way people tend to think. Now, there's truths to all of these metaphors that attempt to explain the nature of reality. But when you drill down to truth that we're always everywhere at once, you know you're an eternal. Now, you know you're already inside of God. You know it's all happening with grace and brilliance. And you know that there can't be any setup that would be that would warrant a, oh, drats, oh, dang it, oh, that's too bad. Oh, everything in reality elicits an, OMG, this is flipping crazy cool. That is everything in reality. So anything in your mind about death or grief or dying or anything that gives you pause, realize there's a perspective when put into the panacea of eternity where you'd be like, holy flipping cow, this is awesome, I love it. More please. That's the nature of reality. It is win-win, 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 win-win. Uh, and then you're, 
You know, somebody yesterday asked about the Holocaust. Three days ago, I talked about the Holocaust. So please check out the 300 earlier spiritual tune-ups. In the proper context, you can see that love was at play, that there was order, that there was meaning, that a lifetime that ended prematurely through murder um, does not get characterized based on the last moments of that lifetime. And that doesn't justify the disgusting, hideous, awful things that human beings perpetrate on one another. But it does strive to put things in a context through which you don't give your power away through question marks and uncertainty. A couple other tangents here. How are we doing? 10 minutes. Okay, let's let's get through this here. Pets. Mike, does the whole thing that you said yesterday apply to pets? Um, that they go on forever? Oh, absolutely. Remember, the answer is always heck to the yes, this is awesome, more please. So if you've got a pet that you love, that pet and its personality continue beyond this lifetime. Now, if you found a, a, a raccoon that lived in the wild, that never was exposed to human beings, that raccoon's personality probably wouldn't reincarnate. Although life is one nonstop reincarnation. We're all reincarnating. Everything's reincarnating. But the personality of a raccoon that, that didn't have unfinished business. See, you interact with a human being as a pet or, the, or in a similar way. There's love bonds. There's learning. There's growth that won't happen for a raccoon in the swamp of the Okefenokee Forest um, the way it would happen if it was born in your backyard and you befriended it. When there's unfinished business, even if it's exploring love deeper and deeper and deeper, then the personality of an animal can and does reincarnate. How do I know? Because it makes sense, because I've read a lot of books, because it is intuitive, because it is logical, because I just know. Uh, excuse me if that sounds offensive or stupid. Um, how to stay in touch with loved ones, Mike, if they've reincarnated and your, your, your spouse died 10 years ago. What if they came back five years ago as a, as a child in Kathmandu? We are multidimensional. So when Bob comes back as Jim or as Mary, Bob still exists and now Mary exists. And so Bob is always available to you. You think of a departed loved one and they are there a breath away. They're there right now. They're listening. They're watching. They're loving you. They're adoring you. They're saying, be happy, be happy, be happy. It's so beautiful. When you get here, you're going to faint. But don't wait until you get here. Faint now because it's so beautiful everywhere. And then the other question I got is about suicide. There was a tune-up or two dedicated exclusively to suicides. It's something I talk about at length in my book, The Top 10 Things dead people want to tell you, not at length, but I talk about it from the person's perspective who's contemplating it. Don't do it. You will so regret it. I talk about it. Now there's, you know, chronic pain and there's circumstances I can't speak to. I'm not judging. I just think generally 99.9 .9 times out of a hundred, uh, it's, it's a bad decision. Um, but I talk about it from the, that perspective, the person contemplating it. I talk about it from the perspective of people who have survived. And I talk about it from the perspective of the person who just did it. And they look back and they realize there were so many other alternative choices. That's in my book, The Top 10 Things Dead People Want to Tell You. Let me answer the main question you have right now. Those loved ones of yours who committed suicide, they are loved. They are adored. They were confused. They were hurt. 
they did something that now they know could have been handled in many other superior ways, but that doesn't diminish their light uh, nor the, the erase the smile that is now on their face. They don't let me speak to this in a sense that, well, if it's that good, I can go there now because this place sucks. No, this place, when you go there now, you see how awesome this was and you realize you let it slip through your fingers and you are going to get back in line. You're going to say, I want to try again. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to your loved ones. It is beautiful here. Uh, it is never as bleak as it may seem in life. Somebody right now watching this may be going through the most challenging, harrowing time. It will pass. It will pass. You are blinded through your confusion and the angst and the suffering that you've experienced. Um, if you can't find a way to make yourself happy right now, find a way to make somebody else happy right now. Um, and, and the darkness will pass. There's only love for everyone. Hallelujah. Oh, heck yeah. More of that, please. John Bo, fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley. Time for another spiritual tune-up. Thanks for your great questions. Today, a question that came in a couple weeks ago. It's so subtle. Um, but as I peeled back the layers, uh, there's something to talk about. Surrendering versus giving up. It's like night and day. Yet sometimes in our frustrations, moving towards a dream, uh, we feel like the thing to do is just back off so entirely that we don't realize we gave up on the dream. So here's the difference. A few bullet points for you. I'll try to go slowly to extend this. Otherwise, it's going to be the shortest tune-up I ever gave you. Surrendering is allowing. Allowing. Giving up is closing the door. Surrendering is having a dream, but not attaching to the how it will come true. Surrendering is not about letting go of desires. No way. It's about letting go of attachment to how it's going to show up. Surrendering is about living your life and taking action. It's not about waiting. Surrendering is loving someone for who they are. Giving up is to withhold love based upon conditions or expectations. Surrender, very simply, is love. Giving up is fear. Surrender is being happy for no reason. Giving up is always because of a reason. Being attached to circumstances, dependent upon circumstances. And finally, surrender is freedom. Giving up is judgment. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, time for a Thursday spiritual tune-up. Today's question, oh, touches your heart. Okay, it's going to be all right. 
when nothing seems to work. Mike, why does everything crash around you and fall apart at the seams whilst on, whilst, okay, I know where you live, whilst on this path, it seems everything is against you and goes wrong. I feel like I can no longer manifest anything, but I used to be great at it. Okay, a couple of things I've touched on before, worth revisiting and then a deeper dive. Um, whenever I hear people talk about how they used to have something that they don't have anymore, they used to be a great manifester and it's not true these days. It's just that your game has been taken to a higher level. This is something to celebrate, although based on appearances, it seems like you've taken several steps back. You used to manifest unintentionally. And when you hit it big, you'd be like, wow. And then you watch The Secret and you're like, I did that. And you're like, man, this is easy peasy. I, got, I totally got this. Ignorance is bliss. Or so they say. But would you want to keep on going? Manifesting hit or miss. Sometimes it works uh, on a sporadic basis. Or do you want to move into the fast lane where everything you touch turns to gold? You took the bait. You're moving up higher. And now you're hypersensitive to, are my thoughts becoming things? Am I getting what I wanted? And, and you're judging with your physical senses that which transpires, which means you're prejudging the process, which I'm going to drill down on in just a minute. Stop being so critical of yourself. Stop looking for spontaneous results. This system of thoughts becoming things never fails never fails. Every day it gets easier. Every day you get closer. You're here to discover your power in this garden of Eden and all is supremely well. Now let me share with you in your hypersensitivity, it always seems like it's not happening until it happens. And then you're like, that was so fast. But you're in that meantime where it seems excruciatingly slow. This is the old adage, enjoy the journey. And then you're not paying so much attention to what's going on. You live in the Garden of Eden. There may be a lot of real estate between where you are now and the life of your wildest dreams, as a note from the universe once said. But if you pay close attention, you'll realize the road from here to there runs straight through the middle of paradise. Celebrate all that you have and who you already are. Okay, now the deep dive where I urge you not to use your physical senses prematurely to mistakenly judge a journey that is playing out to your greater good, to your benefit, towards the life of your wildest dreams, including those things you want right now. I give the GPS analogy all the time. One of the fundamentals beyond destination, car, and gear is that you not use your physical senses because it always looks like it's wrong, right? When you're driving to a place you've never been to before and you're a half hour into the journey, when you're five minutes away from this place you've never been to before, everything looks weird. It would seem like the closer you get, the more confident you are and the clearer things become. No, it's the exact opposite. The closer you get, the stranger things are. You're on roads you never even heard of before. People do things in this neck of the woods that they didn't do back in your neck of the woods. And everything seems wrong when you use your physical senses alone. 
So do not be prejudging the journey. And here's a little story from my life. 21 years ago, we liquidated Tut Enterprises Inc., the t-shirt gift company. And as I was turning 40 years old, this is when this was happening. And it was like, oh my God, oh my, I'm so old on top of all of this. I lamented, I have no career momentum. I'm completely starting over. I don't even know what I'm starting. They talk about looking for a light at the end of the tunnel. I have no tunnel. Things were horrible in my life. I didn't know what was going on. And I remember thinking, don't look for what's wrong in you because you're going to find a boatload of stuff. Instead, work it, man. Thoughts become things. Visualize, have vision boards, and never stop with your baby steps. Did that make things work? Hell to the no. Nothing changed. It was a downward spiral to the physical senses. But I kept busy. I started dabbling with emails. I created a database. I was sending out to 36 people. Messages from Mike, really boring. They fell flat until... That evolved into notes from the universe. I did an audio program. I joined Toastmasters. A year went by and my life was just tanking. I thought I was delusional using my physical senses alone. But as I continued to stay busy, following my heart, doing what I wanted to do, even though logically it didn't make sense. Now, I didn't spend money I didn't have. I didn't go do anything reckless. I honored my commitments. I was... I was transparent and all those good things to the best of my ability. Things started changing unbeknownst to me. And suddenly I'm on a world tour. Suddenly I've got a best-selling audio program. Suddenly Notes from the Universe are popular. Suddenly Rhonda Byrne invites me to be in the secret. Now these suddenlies occurred over years. And then one day I realized I'm living the flipping life of my dreams. And I wondered how did I get here? There was no day to the physical senses that went from sucky the night before to the yellow brick road the day of. There was this invisible morphing, transformation, imperceptible, invisible to the naked eye. But gradually, because I stayed with it, I got to this other point where it's like, damn, this is so sweet. When did my life turn so good? Every day up until that point, I was lamenting my bad luck, bumming cigarettes off my mother, wondering where the damn magic was. That's the truth. And suddenly when I realized things were working and I look back at my life prior to the train wreck, I wrote about life, dreams, and happiness in a metaphysical tone for t-shirts and greeting cards of our own label. Then I lamented, I'm starting over, don't even know what I'm starting. After the train wreck, after the commotion, within a year, and then in hindsight, I realized the upward spiral had begun. I'm speaking, writing books, audio programs, participating in The Secret. I was still teaching and explaining about life, dreams, and happiness in a metaphysical nature. I had not lost any career momentum. And I look back for the train wreck in hindsight, like what was that commotion back there? Now that my life is so sweet, there was no train wreck. I could see back over my shoulder into the past where the train of my life woo, 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 came to a screeching halt. That ought to freak anybody out. It wasn't a train wreck.
And the reason it came to a halt was so that it could change tracks and go to a better track that would allow it to go further, faster, higher, better, richer, more lovely than it would have been able to do on the first track. My dark night of the soul, the train wreck of my existence 21 years ago was actually the beginning of the biggest dream of mine coming true beyond my wildest imagination where champagne, caviar, first class travel, lay flat sleeper seats, five star resorts, love, romance, all that good stuff. Became a family man, have a daughter. Oh my God, I can't even begin to tell you that it was in the dark night of my soul as interpreted by my physical senses that everything was wrong. But with a deeper perspective, seeing the truth, I could have rested assured during the commotion that all was supremely well. That I was focusing on the life of my dreams being, my four words were, happy, spiritual, international millionaire. Happy, spiritual, international millionaire. That was what I focused on. And I was doing something about it every single day to the physical senses, all bad. Looked like a train wreck. But the universe got that message. Do you want to go higher, quicker, faster, better? Well, we're going to stop what we're doing here and go there. It was all good. Do you see the danger of using your physical senses? You can't see the pendulum. You don't know if it's swinging up or down. You just see carnage or what appears to be carnage. It's the remnants of your old life falling away because you took the challenge to take your game to a higher level. You want 24-7 streaming manifestations on your terms. That means you need to engage your inner senses. That means in addition to being responsible, <clears throat> for your happiness and unhappiness and programming with your thoughts and enjoying the journey, everything else will be taken care of for you. So please, I know what it's like when nothing seems to be working. It's a lie. It's always working. Every day you get closer. Every day it gets easier. Everything is playing to your higher, greater good. So hang in there. You're doing it all right. Enjoy the journey. Kick your shoes off and watch a movie and uh, celebrate all that you're going through right now. Because when you get to that place of good and plenty, you will look back with the greatest fondness at your earlier times in life that were your hardest. And you're going to say, oh, little Mike, you were so good. Oh, you hung in there. Oh, I love you so much. You're going to look back and you're going to savor it. Like, God, I could have given up, but I didn't. God, I was so scared, but I kept on going. Oh, my God. You know, when you start soaring, it's like, oh, this is good. It's great. It's fantastic. I would have waited forever for this. But it, it's not as sweet as when you look back at the times when you were lost and you hung in there. Those are your heroic moments. Those make all the difference. That's what you're going to be celebrating. And that's why you are already legend. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, thoughts become things. Today's question is one I have danced around before. Check out the earlier archives. There's 300 spiritual tune-ups at Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube right now. We're also migrating all of those over to a brand new podcast. Um, so the question today, Mike, is there ever a time when we should give up? We talked about giving up and 
baby steps and all of that very, very recently. This question is an extension and an add-on to that. It is such an important question because the answer is not never. There are absolutely times when you should give up. Why? Not so much because the impossible can't happen, but because a poorly defined end result, a poorly defined dream that has unnecessary conditions can make it unobtainable. I, you have heard me say there are some dreams that might never come true. Now, the workaround is super happy and super easy, so hang in there. Uh, first and foremost, the ultimate barometer of whether or not you should make an adjustment, because this isn't all or nothing, okay? This is should you make an adjustment on your dreams. Um, the ultimate barometer is your feelings. Get used to tuning in. Intuition is everything. Intuition never fails. That's why I suggested this week that you practice using that muscle all the time with the littlest of decisions so that when the big ones come along, you know it's intuition and not some irrational fear. Does it feel right to stay on the path you're on? Okay, that does not mean is it easy? Are you happy? Uh, and a million other variables. Now, I, can, I cannot tell you how many times I have been on a path that sucked and I was not happy. But the overall feeling was, I know there's something here. I know this is calling me. I know I can do it. For example, doing what I do today, teaching, speaking in public. It was horrible. I hated every second of getting in front of a Toastmasters club or a Rotary club or a Unity Church or my own audiences. I was riddled with nerves and self-doubt and insecurities, but I knew that these were irrational fears based upon insecurities that I could ultimately blow through to live a most amazing life. So does it feel right is not a cop-out if the road gets bumpy or is difficult or has moments of unhappiness. Now, of course, if you're miserable, don't do it. But I was always excited by the underlying feeling that there's something here for me. I know I can do this. I'm going to break through. I'm going to get over the nerves. And, and so I have. And, uh, and so it has been all that I ever hoped for and so much more. The number one barometer is feelings. Does it feel like this is overall, in the long run, worth your dedication, focus, application, etc. Okay, then there's much more to this answer. So critical. This may even be more important for many of you. There are certain dreams that we make <coughs> contingent on other criteria. This is where we ease on into what I call, you know, we unintentionally ease on in to what I call the Bermuda Triangle of Manifestation. It is not going to go well. The first corner of three 
if you have a dream that depends upon a specific person behaving a specific way, that dream may never come true. It's up to the other person how to decide what their choices are going to be and whether or not to include you or to do what you want them to do or to give you a raise or to appreciate you. The workaround is awesome. You never had to depend on that one person. Now, granted, maybe you're married to them or maybe they're your mother or maybe they're your kid. Um, and the workaround is going to take, you know, a little bit longer. They might have to grow up and leave the nest or whatever. Or you might have to separate spiritually and in love. Um, but the workaround is so easy. You cannot dictate who will be your dream business travel partner, your dream travel partner. You cannot do that. But you can absolutely have a dream travel partner. You just can't say who it is. And chances are great that the person you most want it to be is the person that it will be. But you can't attach to that. You can't insist on that. Leave room for them. Prepare the way for them. Lead them down the aisle, so to speak. But always be prepared for or better. It doesn't mean simultaneously have two flames going at the same time, but it does mean just realize you can't manipulate other people just the way you don't want to be manipulated by other people. So if you have a dream that depends on a specific person behaving a specific way, that's a dream you need to adjust big time because it might never come true. The second corner of the Bermuda Triangle is when you have a dream, but then you decide on how it must come true. I dream of a rocking career, wealth and abundance, and it will come true by me writing a best-selling book. Don't mess with the cursed house. The universe knows you better than you know you. It loves you. It adores you. It knows seven and a half billion co-creators out there that it can draw into your sphere and gently take some others out of your sphere. And it will deliver you, deliver to you a rocking, amazing, joy-filled, abundant career. And it might be writing that book. We're not taking that out of the equation. But as soon as you say, it will be this book, it will be that contract, it will be this investment, it will be that corner, corner lot. As soon as you start saying, this is how my dream will come true, you slam shut the door on all other possibilities. Who in their right mind would do that? Your possibility might be the ticket, but leave the door open for better. The third corner of the Bermuda Triangle is do not attach to unimportant details. And all details are unimportant. They're a dime a dozen. There's always going to be details in your life. There's always going to be specific people in your life. There's always going to be a how my dream came true story. But if at the outset of the journey you attach to people, house, or unimportant details, the dream may never come true. You never should have had that dream to begin with. Make a slight adjustment. What do I mean? Unimportant details? You name it. The color of the car, the brand of the car, who the person is, where you're going to meet them, when you're going to get married, deadlines. Included in unimportant details, there are two really common details people mess with. Deadlines. Do not put a deadline on the magic. You cannot 
grasp all that the universe is doing on your behalf. You don't know that the universe can do it by Friday or by year end or by any deadline. Do not put deadlines on the magic. Put them on yourself. You'll write a chapter uh, every three weeks. Put them on yourself and be gentle with yourself, but do not put a deadline on the magic, okay? And the other, the other similar big point in unimportant details that people mess with is perhaps where's. I must live there. I must go here. I must do it there. Uh, um, it doesn't matter where. That's an unimportant detail. If it's not Tahiti, it might be Fiji. If it's not Fiji, it might be uh, Maui. If it's not Maui, it might be Crete or Santorini or Mykonos. Don't worry about the where's or the when's or the who's or the how's. The Bermuda Triangle, do not tempt it, okay? Just make little adjustments. You can still think about, I'd like it to happen by year end. And I'd like to have all this pixie dust involved. And I'd like it to be Rocky who shows up in his birthday suit. But I'm prepared for better. And if it means better takes six months longer, sign me up. If it's not Rocky, but it's Bruno, sign me up. Do you see? Do you see the great news here? It's not like you have a badly defined dream and so you better let it go. No, just tweak it and make it better. Make room for or better. So yes, the answer to the question, are there times, is there ever a time when we should give up? Hell yes. If you don't feel it, short term and long term, if you don't feel it, and then if you feel it, make sure you pass these other Bermuda Triangle test questions that I just tossed your way. And if any of them are a little bit slippery, then make room for even better than you knew to ask for. Well, there you have it, fellow adventurer. Thanks for listening to this most recent installment of Spiritual Tune-Ups. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a few seconds to rate it on the podcast service you're using right now. It makes a big difference in helping more people find us. And of course, if you want daily reminders of life's magic and your power, please sign up at tut.com for my free Notes from the Universe emails. Tally ho!